want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. edition of the show we are in february it is right around the time for valentine's day love is in the air so am i i don't know what that means I don't, it sounded good in my head i said it i'm gonna stick with it. it it makes sense just go with it go with it pretend i said it it's good uh yeah welcome back thank you once again for finding me whether you found me on any of the streaming services could have been on audible spotify your heart radio whatever you whatever you do maybe highpodomdad.com either way please like subscribe definitely subscribe hit the bell if there's a bell i don't even know if there is a bell if there is hit it just do it uh, i really appreciate it spread the word let your friends know you know tell everybody let them know about the podcast every single friday thank you and yeah man it's good to be back here and it's good to be able to talk to you guys and really I don't want to say use the podcast for what I need it to be, but that's what I think I'm going to do this week. I think this podcast, there's things I want to talk about, things that, I don't know, I like to share, kind of get them out of my head, put them out there into the universe. Sometimes I get feedback from you guys, which is always helpful, whether it's you know in comment form or if you want to drop uh, a line right through the contact form on highblogomdad.com. I love hearing from you guys and, and your thoughts on things. This has been a... A wild week for a lot of reasons. I wrote two blog posts this week, right? So the one on Wednesday I'm going to talk about first. The one on Wednesday was a little more unorthodox than the others, and it was about being old. I don't, I don't care about being old. I've written about this before. I didn't care about growing older. Was the initial one that I wrote a few years ago because I was getting older. You know, once you hit like 40, 41, you know, in my 40s. It sounds so old when you say it out loud, but it feels like the same. You know, you don't feel your age ever because you don't think about your age. When I was a kid, it used to always be like, I'm, I'm 22 and pretty, ooh, I'm 22 and three quarters. I don't care anymore because there's nothing to look forward to in terms of an, an exact age giving you the power to do something. I don't have to worry about a learner's permit or a driver's license or voting or getting a car or like renting a car, any of that stuff. It doesn't matter. Once you hit like 30, it's just, you know, you're just holding on till whatever. So don't think in terms like that. I think in terms of how the world has changed and the things that have happened. And part of this blog that I wrote was supposed to be positive about how I'm able to kind of work within the world I'm in. I get along with people older than me. I get along with people younger than me. I get along with people my own age just simply because I don't look down on anything. If somebody older than me is into something that happened before me, whether it's a TV show or whatever, I try to know enough about the culture that I wasn't a part of. I know about TV shows I wasn't a part of. I know about music that I don't listen to. I know about historical facts and things that were culturally uh, culturally relevant to the generation before me. That said, I do the same thing with the younger generation. TikTok and YouTubers and, you know, me and my kid, we, my daughter and I, we watch Mr. Beast and we watch, you know, 
different things online. You know, she shows me TikToks. I find funny stuff. I send it over to her. I know the terminology. I stand things. I ship things. I get it. I get all this stuff. And I don't look down on it, which I think is very important. I think a lot of times people, they look down on things that come after them because to be honest with you, there are things that the next generation does that are kind of dumb. You know, there's also things that we did that were dumb. There's things that the people before us did that were dumb. You know, for every kid eating a Tide Pod, which I know the people in my generation like to harp on, you know, oh, eat Tide Pods are so stupid. You know, we used to spread rumors and do them, you know. Oh, if you eat Pop Rocks and Cola, you're going to die. And then you would eat Pop Rocks and Cola and be like, what are you doing? We would tell each other direct lies that weren't true. There was this kid, uh, Rob, at school. <laughs> I'm not going to say his last name. Uh, and there were all these rumors that Rob's dad used to go to Fireman's Park and feed Aka-Seltzer to the ducks and watch them explode. And we all talked about it. We're like, Rob's dad likes to blow up ducks at Fireman's Park. And there's a whole thing. And then you grow up and you Google it and you find out that that doesn't even work. So we made that up. We told each other that. So there's dumb things in every generation. And the, the trick is to not harp on those dumb things. I'm so tired of the whole, you know, today's generation with their Tide Pods. And, uh, that's why they don't like you, dude. Work with everybody. There's no reason to look down on anybody. They're not better. They're not worse. We're all just people just trying to live our lives. We lived our youth. They lived their youth. That's how I see it, right? So that's what I wrote about. I wrote about that on on Wednesday. And one of the things that I said that I thought was funny was the only trigger warnings that we got were remember to take the safety off because there were no trigger warnings for my generation. And I see these trigger warnings and it's weird. There was, um, and it's, I don't mean even weird in a bad way. I just mean weird like I don't, it takes me a second sometimes to remember they're a thing. There was a wrestler talking about depression and anxiety and he'd said that he had had a relative who committed suicide and he put it in a tweet and somebody had posted it on Reddit. And at the very beginning, it was like, you know, wrestler's tweet and then it said in parentheses, trigger warning suicide. And I was like, what, what does that mean? And I'm like, oh, he mentioned suicide and you have to warn me before to me it was like a spoiler it's like you're spoiling the guy's the guy's tweet the surprise is gone and i don't know man and there's a part of me that when i see that as part of my generation is like what the come on get oh come on man are you kidding me and the reason why was because my generation we didn't warn anybody about anything we just did it in fact my generation got off on the shocking nature of things like that. It was part of the the allure of television and movies, The Sopranos or, you know, uh, famous movies. Um, Shawshank did it too, where you watch a scene and the guy's in the scene and he's doing these things and you can't really tell what they're doing. And you're seeing close-ups of his hands and he's like putting a tie on and he's getting, you know, a little stool. And you're like, oh, what, what is this scene about? And he's talking over, you know, the whole world got itself in a big hurry and the music's playing. You're like, what is what is this scene about? What is it? And next thing you know, you just see legs dangling in the air. And you see a little body hanging from the ceiling. And you're like, oh my God. And he's watching people kill themselves. And the idea was to shock you. And if you asked them back then, they would tell you that. Well, I wanted the audience to be shocked. I wanted them to see the gritty nature of suicide and realize it wasn't a joke. They don't really do that anymore. It's not, I don't know. You know, they don't. But I'm conditioned to think that that's how it goes. And when people get warned about it, I'm like, what, what is that about? But what I neglect to realize is that it's 20, 30, 40 years later, whatever it is. And we know more about people. 
and how those shocking images maybe affected them. So maybe this generation has it figured out. Maybe they should have trigger warnings. Maybe there is a reason to tell somebody, hey, don't don't watch this. You're not going to feel better from it. I don't know. Maybe it makes them weaker. People, that's the other argument. It makes them weaker. Either way, you know what? I live how I live. So I'm not concerned either way. If it works for them, let it work for them. Trigger warnings, trigger warnings. And I bring this up because I've dealt with you know, suicide and death and things like that in my life um, more than I think a lot of other people did, especially at a young age. I've, I've had a lot of people I know pass away. I had, um, you know, the childhood bully on my Little League team died like the year after Little League. That was crazy. This kid, uh, Ian, he was a total jerk. He used to make fun of everybody. And he was like the quintessential, like if you drew a 10-year-old bully, you would draw this kid. He was like a foot taller than everybody, had a big beer gut for a 10-year-old. Um, he would, you know, he'd be like, you suck at baseball. Like, are you? Uh, and then he died in a car crash with his family. It was crazy. Um, I had another kid I was very close to in elementary school. He died in high school. I, there's a kid that I, I fought in fifth grade who killed himself in high school. I had, uh, I had best friends. All three of them die, right? Three people I would consider best friends in my life. All three of them died. Um, I've had suicides. I've had just shocking deaths. I've had cancer deaths and heart attack deaths. And I'm in my 40s, dude. I'm not... I know people my age who've never experienced death outside of like a family member. And I'm, I'm all these contemporaries, all these people my my age have died. as a guy I pledged with in my fraternity who died in one of the freakest accidents ever. So things are have struck me a lot and have weighed me down a little bit. You know, and I could sit here all day and be like, whoa, it makes you tougher. I don't know, man. Definitely knocked me down a few pegs. So I, I've been processing, I guess that since Wednesday, but one of the other things that's been happening, and I was debating whether or not to even talk about this because I've barely told anybody this. This has been a completely in my own head thing I've dealt with. Um, I'm coming up on, I guess... I guess it's the three-year anniversary of the death of the guy who was the best man at my wedding, uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, his name was Patrick. We called him Scully. That was his his nickname. It's not exactly the three-year anniversary. It's around May. I say this because I don't really know the date. I don't think about it. I don't. I don't really think that way. There's only really very few dates that I remember in my head. For the most part, I just kind of... I try to let things play out. I don't like to be reminded at a certain time to remember things that I don't want to remember. You know, I, I remember them when I remember them. I don't when I don't. Um, but sometimes naturally in our heads, it just works that way. You know, even if you don't specifically remember, oh, it was May the 14th or May the 6th, whatever. You remember, oh, it was warm out. Or you remember, oh, you know, those decorations were out. Or, oh, it was the end of the school year. Things like that. And when that happens, it's kind of the trigger to bring you back to those memories. And um, I've dealt with a lot of the grief from people who have passed. And I didn't really deal with Scully. I never have. It was It was right before everything started happening with my marriage. As you guys know, I got divorced last year, uh, 2021. But anybody who's been through a divorce knows that it doesn't happen overnight. This is something that was years in the making. 
And it really started to come to a head right around the time that he passed away, like in 2019. And I never had the opportunity to really deal with it. And coupling that, making his death so unique, he was one of the three best friends I talked about, was that he was the only one that I wasn't talking to when he died. I still don't even know how he died. You know, I know the stories, people give stories. And and I think the fact that the stories were so convoluted, it makes me even more concerned about what the reasons could have been. Who knows? I know that usually when the cause of death is um, something they don't want to talk about, they don't talk about it. You know, if somebody dies of cancer or disease, they they put that headline right there, died of cancer. But they don't, if they don't say it, you're just like, hmm. So I don't even know. I have no idea. And um, so Scully passed away and I hadn't spoken to him in years. We had gotten, we hadn't even gotten to an argument. We had just had an issue where I guess he felt I, I, he had come by to visit when I wasn't looking to entertain. He had come down to Long Island. I tried to not have him come over. He came over anyway. It was kind of an awkward visit. I don't know if that offends. I don't know. I don't know. I could, I could sit here all day and try to figure out the reasons. It, it, all that matters is that I didn't talk to him anymore, and I tried, which was rare for me, especially back then, because I was really big on cut and run. You know, If I had an issue, I was gone. And I didn't, I didn't do that with him. I re- reached out to him. Uh, one of our other fraternity brothers had passed away. I called. I left him a message. Nothing. It's just how he was. And it made me mad, dude. Honest to God, it made me angry because that's just, I thought it was kind of dick. And I thought I was going out of my way to do the right thing, you know, take the high road and it wasn't working. So it annoyed me. And then he was gone. And then one day he was just not alive anymore. And I didn't realize that was coming. He probably didn't realize it was coming either. And it was hard to deal with it was hard to process and it was hard to handle and even since then unlike some of the other people that passed away my friend chris who was my best friend in high school who i i still I say, have a relationship with I, I i talk and i can hear him tell me things but it's very rare i don't really i don't talk to him in heaven as they say scully i don't you know get his advice on things i think um i think we were so different towards the end too we were very similar in college and then we both grew separately and he lived far away and all that stuff. And plus there was animosity. I'm, I'm, I've always been annoyed about how he passed away. So what am I talking about? What am I getting to? Okay. Recently, I've been having dreams and he's in the dreams, right? And I, and this happens sometimes. I have these dreams with people who have passed away. And my dreams are never dreams where they come back to talk to me. They're never like, hey, I, I used to be alive and I'm here. What do you want to know? Like that. Those aren't my dreams with them. It's like being transported back into a memory that never happened. We'll be in a situation. We'll be at a diner. We'll be around people and they'll be doing something and I'll be talking to them. And maybe throughout the dream, there'll be glimpses of, oh yeah, yeah, you've been dead for a while. You don't know. But like, it's never, it's always just like a normal thing that we're just hanging out again. That's not a really vivid dream where it was like real, you know? And it was, he was there. We're around people and we're talking to them. This is literally the day before yesterday. And I woke up in the midst of this deep REM dream. And I remember waking up, freaked out, remembered it. And I didn't have my kids. I, was, I had to still pick them up to have them come back to the house. So I got to sleep in a little bit. And I went back to sleep and I had another deep REM dream. And again, I woke up right in the middle of that REM dream. And from that point on, my day was hazy. I had a hazy day. 
you know, and I, it was rare that I have a day like this. I Googled it and I found out that's what happens. If you wake up in the midst of a deep sleep, you don't feel fully awake. I kind of felt like I was dreaming most of the day. It was a really bizarre feeling that I dealt with, but I was thinking about it all day. I was thinking about Scully and the dream and how strange it was and, and that he's not here. Cause I still, the fact that he had been gone for so many years, which I think is what makes it different. Like when some of these other people passed away and you saw them the day before, it leaves a huge hole and you think about it all the time. But when somebody wasn't there, it's weird because you don't necessarily think about them every day. Like there's not every single day where I'm like, oh, I got to call Patrick and tell him this. I don't. I don't think like that because I didn't. I wasn't calling him and telling him things, but I knew he was out there. So every once in a while, something hits me and I remember, oh, he's not out there. I'm not going to ever reconnect and we're not going to be able to share the story and I can't, you know text him out of the blue it's gone so when it does hit you it's weird um so it was in my head and i had been thinking about the fact that he was in that dream we had been in a few dreams lately i didn't know why i'm trying to think about it and it's, it's really it was affecting me all day all right here's where it gets weird that night i was watching tv with my daughter i had picked them up that day and we were watching uh Dead Like Me, which was the show that I had mentioned uh, a few weeks ago, as I think uh, Want to Feel Old. It was part of the, the podcast. It was, it's that show about Grim Reapers. It's with uh, Mandy Patinkin, all these different people in it. And the episode plays out. And the show, if you don't know what the show is about, they're Grim Reapers. It deals with death. It deals with the afterlife. It deals with crossing over. It's kind of a comedy. It's also dramatic. It's really well done. And it's from like 2003, 2004. This episode in particular dealt with the death of someone who was going for gender reassignment surgery, which back then was a very different thing than it is today. If you watch the episode, it was pretty amazing the way they did it because the initial way it was introduced was the way everything dealing with transgender issues back then was introduced, where it was almost a joke. It was almost comedy. And by the end of it, they had found a way to really make people relate to it, which back then was you know, almost an impossibility. It was such a whispered about thing. But the character in the show had just passed away and he was mad about having to have lived his life in the wrong body, that he has the Grim Reaper take him to church, right? And he goes to church and he's mad. And he's trying to throw like, um, I don't know, Bibles or like, um, you know, the, the, the hymn books in the pews. He's trying to throw them at the window of the church from the inside. And they start playing this music as he's getting angry. And it's this piano music. And it's a really mellow, uh, religious type of music. It wasn't really a song. You wouldn't think it was a song. There were no words to it or anything. And all of a sudden, as he's throwing the books, kids on the outside of the church break the window. And this light beams in. And like this like godlike image just kind of comes over the scene. And I was like, wow, you know, as I'm watching this, I'm watching this with my, my daughter and I'm thinking that is beautiful. It was like, it was such a, a deeply, like it hit you. The scene really hit you. And especially where I was in that moment, having had this dream about Scully and having dealt with these thoughts and dealing with all this stuff. And I was like, I need to know what this song is. And I took my phone out and I Shazam the song. And when I did... If you guys know Shazam, you press the button, they tell you what the song is it's playing so you can identify it. Uh, the song had only really been Shazam 2,000 times since 2004. So it should give you an idea of how 
how rare it was that people even Shazam this song. And it was a piano mix of a song that I guess had all these other artists had done it. But this particular one um, was the piano mix and the artist's name was Scully. And I sat there and I processed it and I processed it. And I'm still processing it now because it was probably the strangest and most spot on kind of message moment I've ever had. And you guys know I've written about, you know, when I first moved into the house and I had found a welcome mat that had the name of a song that, you know, me and my best friend had, you know, used for backyard wrestling. And it was, it was very symbolic and it felt like a message from heaven. But it also was one of those things where like, you, you kind of make it work. This one, this one was weird because this one was, it was just the perfect storm of everything. It was not only was I in the moment dealing with these issues with Scully being in my brain, I was shazamming music from a religious crossing over into death scene of a show that was helping me process Scully's death. And then on the off chance that I just shazammed it, the artist's name was Scully. And I don't know, man. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't, I really don't. And I haven't really talked about it and I've just been kind of sitting on it. I don't know. I really don't. And I, I've been thinking about it and trying to understand what, if anything, I mean, I'm big on symbolism in life and I like to always try to find reasons for things to happen the way they do. Uh, this doesn't even feel like symbolism. This feels like a, like, holy cow moment. Like, I don't really know how else to put it. And for those of you guys wondering, I'm not a religious person. I, I'm Catholic. My last name is very Jewish. Uh, I am not Jewish, although my family, half of it was Jewish. My other half of my family is from Sicily. So it gives you an idea. <laughs> I'm all over the place. And I was actually an altar boy uh, when I was a kid. And I did not like being an altar boy. Nothing really weird happened. But I remember I quit being an altar boy um, because I couldn't do it. I had to go back uh, to school. It was always a pain in the butt. You know, I was in eighth grade. I didn't want to do it anymore. And I'd gone to the Monsignor and I had said, you know, I, I, I have to stop. I'm sorry. I can't do it. And he was upset. He was like, well, we need people. I said, I'm sorry. I can't. I have to, you know, I can't do it that Sunday. I'm going to be away. Did this whole thing. Okay, whatever. And I left. And then a few years later, I had asked for it. A year later, I'd asked for him to write something, like a recommendation of like the Honor Society or something. I forgot what it was. And he wouldn't do it because he said that I had quit being an altar boy and didn't give him uh, any notice. And I'm like, I told you. He's like, no, you didn't. You just no-showed. So I sat there while a Monsignor lied to my face and uh, and got revenge on me. So I was like, you know what? Not coming back to church for a while. So I didn't. Um, and I still haven't. And I don't, I don't necessarily even think that this Shazam song moment, you know, is a return to church moment. I don't know what it is, but it was definitely, um, I don't know, man. One of those moments to give you pause. So I've had pause. I've had, I've had pause for a few days now. And I'm just trying to, kind of wrap my head around it and that's it so i don't know i'm like what do i do with this i don't know i'll tell everybody on the podcast <laughs> so there you go take it with you do what you will if you believe in this kind of stuff hopefully this story will get you you will find i mean honestly 
the song itself is so rare and you can go back and you could find the scene. The song is called Noma's Land for Three Pianos by Scully. It's spelled differently than the Scully that we called him. It's S-K-U-L-L-Y. Um, and it's just piano music. It's just there's no reason for me to have looked it up. But to look down, you see it. You see the name. It just makes you feel better. And it also makes you feel like everything is is just part of the same narrative somewhere it was it could be a coincidence but holy crap to make for this to be a coincidence that takes a lot of moving parts you're talking about a one in a million this is a definite one in a million it's not like a week later i saw a sign that said scully like no this was this was looking up a song that made me think of this person who i had been thinking about based on a scene that was about everything i had been thinking about about this person and then finding his name attached to the song it was just really strange so, yeah, that's where I'm at. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm going insane. And maybe what I really need is the perfect segue to a little thing that we like to call the moment of sadness. Hi, Pod. This is your moment of sanity. All right, so this was supposed to be the moment of sanity. In fact, as you guys know, when I do these audios, I, I record the beginning... Uh, record the end, record all the pieces at different times, but for the most part, they're all done right before Friday, which should give you an idea of why this one is a little delayed this week. I had recorded the opening, as you can tell, kind of having that spiritual week, prepared to do the moment of sanity, stopped it right there, and when I did, uh, a lot of things happened in our lives, a lot of moving parts, and one of those things was that my cat, or yeah, my cat, uh, Tipsy passed away, and I had found out on the day before the podcast was supposed to be finished. For those of you guys who don't know, Tipsy was my, I always say my first baby. She was first cat we got back in 2005. My favorite cat. In fact, my favorite pet in general. I really, really loved that cat. She was uh, smart. She was my first cat that I interacted with. I had a dog as a kid, so it was my first time learning what cats were like, how they acted. And Buddy, as you guys know, who was named that just because we bought him as her buddy, <laughs> she needed a second cat, uh, was very different. He was a little standoffish, not standoffish, but timid. Um, maybe he was fun as he got older, but especially at first, not so much. Tipsy was always just a rip. And I've talked about her on here a lot because over the last year, I've gotten to see her very little. Um, she's been uh, living with my ex-wife and that was hard and the kind of thing I think I had talked a few weeks ago about not realizing how little I would see the cat and how my daughter would FaceTime me with, uh, with Tipsy. I would get a FaceTime and I would pick up and it would just be her face and how it brightened my day and it meant a lot to me and I don't know, just a lot of emotions to unpack and I don't know, I keep thinking of this thing and it's going to sound melodramatic and I don't mean for it to sound melodramatic, but Whenever I feel like this, whenever there's a death or a loss or something like this, especially this, this was, I mean, this was a cat that, you know, was older than my kids, a cat that outlived my marriage, you know, 2005, I had brown hair, and, you know, um, I was eating steak and smoking cigarettes when that cat was around. Um, and uh, I think about Teddy Roosevelt. 
You weren't expecting that, were you? Um, I think of Teddy Roosevelt whenever I feel this sense of loss because Teddy Roosevelt uh, used to keep a diary. But I guess when you're Teddy Roosevelt, it's a journal. It's not a diary because Teddy Roosevelt was a badass. And Teddy Roosevelt, for the guys who don't know, his wife and his mother died on the same day um, in 1884 on Valentine's Day. And it is a heartbreaking story. His wife had given birth. She had uh, undiagnosed Bright's disease, right? And he had left her to go see his mother who uh, was dying of typhoid and a fever. The story was he arrives at the house and his brother greets him and his brother actually says to him, which I don't know, man, I don't know if people were different back then or if his brother was just like a dick, but he said, there is a curse upon this house, you know, so that kind of sucks for him. And his mother died. And then a few hours later, he went back to the other house where, or I don't know if it was the same house. I mean, I'm doing all this off memory, but his, his wife died. And on that day in his diary, Teddy Roosevelt wrote, a single X and underneath he had written the light has gone out in my life. And when I think about that entry, it sticks with me because it it really captures that feeling of emptiness. The light hasn't gone out in my life overall for him. It probably was his entire life, but for, for me and I think a lot of other people, at least for today, maybe the next few days, kind of has I relate to that feeling and I know what that's like because it's a very strange very strange feeling and with tipsy it's similar to what I spoke about earlier which is it's just weird how life works in themes with Patrick in that when Buddy died you know my other cat I'd done a, written about it I'd found Buddy I'd carried him you know all that it was really heartbreaking it was a different feeling than this, but I don't know. It, it's hard to explain. The fact that Tipsy didn't live here, I don't come home to an empty house and immediately notice a difference every day. You know, I know that's not going to happen. I'm not going to walk in and be like, but it was the fact that I knew Tipsy was out there. I knew there was the occasional chance to get a FaceTime or go see her. And that is something that every once in a while will hit you again, you know, and I'm prepared for that. And it's like Patrick, like knowing that he was out there and that maybe I would see him, maybe I wouldn't. Um, so yeah, so that's where I'm at. So I just wanted to give you guys that update. I'm sorry this podcast is late. I really was not up for recording it yesterday. Uh, but that's kind of, that's where things are at. So yeah, I don't know. Hug your pets. I don't know what else to say at the end of something like that. It's just a real bummer and really sad. She was 17 and she was fantastic. And I'm, I love her and I'm going to miss her. And that does it for me, guys. Till next week, this is James Gutman saying, be well. Bye, pot. I'm dead.